independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening and welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Scott Bennett. Scott Bennett's musical resume reads like no other in the business. There are few aspects of the music industry that he hasn't dabbled in successfully. He has fronted acclaimed rock bands like A Fine Mess and The Falling Willendas in his hometown of Chicago. He honed his skills as a first-rate multi-instrumentalist on buzzy albums like Liz Fair's White Chocolate Space Egg and The Flaming Lips' The Soft Bulletin. He has scored for films and TV commercials where his clients included household names like McDonald's, Disney, Budweiser, Miller, Subway, 7-Up, Gatorade, Kraft, and Ford. His songs have been featured in TV shows like Charmed, Beverly Hills 90210, The Bold and the Beautiful, and The Young and the Restless, and he got himself nominated for an Emmy, excuse me, an Emmy Award along the way. He even managed to find his way onto Broadway, playing guitar and keyboards for the Pulitzer and Tony Award-winning Broadway show Rent. But was his, it was his work with Beach Boys mastermind Brian Wilson on the legendary Smile album that brought Bennett international acclaim. Wilson found Bennett's contributions to the re-recorded seminal Beach Boys album Smile in 2004 to be indispensable. And while playing in Wilson's crack backup band, Bennett wound up sharing stages with the likes of Elton John, Billy Joel, Neil Young, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, The Who, Sting, Bruce Springsteen, Paul Simon, and Paul McCartney. Post-Smile, Wilson called Bennett, quote, the most talented musician I've ever met, and asked him to collaborate on both his Lucky Old Son and Wilson Reimagines Gershwin albums. And Bennett is still adding to that resume by continuing to re- release solo albums and producing new artists like all-girl power trio Easy Tiger. Matt's quite a resume, Scott. Welcome to Independence Day. Thank you. How you doing? I'm very, very <clears throat> well, man. It's great to see you. You know, we, we share similar uh, uh, with formative territory in the city of Chicago. Absolutely. And what, um, what brought you to Los Angeles, and when did you land out here? Um, well, I was doing that thing that you talked about with the, the we used to call it the jingle business, but now that's okay. a, that's a naughty word nobody likes to say anymore. I miss jingles personally, you know, yeah. plop plop fizz fizz, oh what a relief, that kind of thing. Easy work, right? E- well, it was just it was fun. It was like you know now it's like you know you just it's sound design and stuff like that, and you know they they don't want singers, they don't you know they just want like a and that's the whole commercial, you know. But anyway, that business was sort of drying up in Chicago, and I was working with Brian Wilson. <clears throat> at the time, and I just thought maybe if I lived, you know, it was time to, I love Chicago, but it was time for a change, time for some better weather, and I thought maybe if I lived in L.A., I might have a shot at riding with Brian, which took s- about eight years of living here before that happened, Yeah, yeah. but it did happen, and I, I you know, and I apparently I'm one of the very, very few who that has happened for, yeah. so, uh, so that was my main, you know, it was weather. Change of scene and, yeah. and the hope of, of writing with a legend. Yeah, so. it's kind of that, that reinvention, I think, for musicians and artists is essential because I, I kind of feel like there are a few musicians, like some people, like John Mellencamp, he's been in Seymour, Indiana since time immemorial, <laughs> but, that, but that works for him, yes. you know? Like those of us, you know, the rest of us, I feel like we, we kind of have to reinvent ourselves every few years. Yes, I'm, I'm on the verge of a reinvention as we speak. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I married a British girl and okay. it, would be, it would be, I think the next logical step is to live in London, so okay. we'll see. Yeah, that's that's very Derek Sivers of you, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you know Derek? I don't. But yeah, he's he's the founder of CD Baby. Oh God! Uh, yeah. And he's he's like this he's like this business savant. He founded CD Baby years ago, kind of as a way to get his own music distributed, and found that he had other friends who also you know you know of CD Baby of course. Of course, yeah. And he had he had other friends who were like, well, hey, will you will you put my album on there too? And this thing just ballooned wow. from you know 
1.0 version beta whatever all the way up to being a multi-million dollar yeah, company and then he sold it just a few years ago for a pretty big chunk of change and then <sighs> moved he was in london now i think he lives in the southeast asia somewhere <laughs> he's just this guy he's, he's he's the most free-spirited of people i've ever met see i'm i'm uh, an idiot savant minus the savant part so. <laughs> ah the self-deprecation <laughs> has started already and so being from Chicago, this, this is like a like unique uh, like twist of fate because there was a period I know where uh, Brian Wilson, this is the founder, one of the founders of the Beach Boys, lived in St. Charles, yes. Illinois, which is right up the road from where I grew up. Do you know how on earth, of all places in the universe, um, Yeah, I can tell you how that happened. There. there was a producer named Joe Thomas out of Chicago, ran River North Studios. And Joe lived in St. Charles. And Joe had made a, somehow he got all these country artists before country... And pop had crossed over quite the way they have these days. Pre Garth Brooks. Yeah, well, it was right about the Garth. But he got like Willie Nelson, got all these people to do Beach Boys songs, so country versions. And apparently, Brian loved it and got in touch with Joe and said he wanted him to produce his next solo album. Okay. So Joe said, "Well, that's great, but you need to come to Chicago because I've got kids and da da da." Uh -huh. And Brian kind of, unlike Brian, decided, "What the heck? Let's get out of L.A. Yeah. for a minute. Maybe that's what I need." I've you know. Yeah. Reinvention so, for him. Yeah, and he did the Imagination record, which I played guitar on a couple cuts for. Uh, and then after he he experienced one Chicago winter, he said, "Okay, I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> he went and he went back yeah. to California. Well, he's this. I mean, he's in the Beach Boys. Right. It seems antithetical to the, the, that he would live in Chicago. You and I grew up there, man. I, yeah. I, I, it's brutal there. It right is now. brutal, and the summers are brutal. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's not. There's no. There's like three months of great weather. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy, I've, when I go back now to visit, like I see guys on motorcycles. I just wonder, man, you get to ride that like. Right. There are probably, what, 30 days a year <laughs> yeah. that you can actually right. ride it where it's like not raining or sleeting or snowing or some combination thereof. It's commitment. But, I, but I, you know what? All, all said, I still I love Chicago. I, I love it. I, I was I, just I back uh, for the first time in three years, and I, I hung out with your old friend Brad Peterson. Uh -huh. Summer or winter who, were you there? Uh, well, it was just a couple months ago. Uh, so well, it Was it fall? Yeah. Okay. That's safe. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was lovely. A little bit of brisk wind. It just huh. felt like Chicago. You Keeps know? you honest. Yes. And, uh, and man, every time I just really, really, I miss it more each time I do go yeah. back. And, and uh, you know, L.A. needs some architecture and some, yeah. <laughs> some things like that. I'm, you know? I'm at, I, find, I'm fi I think I'm finally at peace with L.A. Like I, the, the phrase I've come up with, and if this was just a couple of weeks ago, I was in the pub with my buddies, and I was like, you know, I've got it. I don't love L.A., but I love living in L.A. It's a, that, it's a very livable – I mean, you know, it's – it's as a friend of mine said, if you're going to struggle in the music business, you might as, well, might as well do it where it's 72 degrees every yeah. day. You know what? And it was, it, it was a decision I made after loading out at an Elbow Room show in Chicago. <laughs> I remember loading out in the snow at like 2 in the morning, and like it had snowed while we were in there, so like getting a, even getting the van there to load out was a pain in the rear, and loading all our stuff in the snow, standing <sighs> in the slush, like the big gray Slurpee that the city becomes. Yes. And I was like, man, I, I can't say it on the radio what I said. Yes. But I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. Yep. This this is enough. I've have had it. Yeah, but I, I remember my my band, the Falling Willendas, uh, were excited to get a gig in Minneapolis at the First oh, Avenue. Man, and it was the coldest day in like ten years of Minneapolis, yeah. which which is, is even saying worse quite a bit than Chicago. And and I remember I don't know if you uh, what was his name Steve, our sound guy. I can't believe I'm spacing his name. Coker, okay. Steve Coker, uh, drove a van that was missing a window. We oh took a my plane. God. We took a plane because we were, you know, wimpy, yeah. and he drove there to do our sound, you know, in the freezing cold with a pizza box on his, you know, I was just like, now that, 
Uh, that's a Steve Coker, great guy, great say, sound man. Exactly. They say that cold weather gives you a character, and if that's the case, I, I have enough character for mm. it. any any Scorsese movie. Indeed. But uh, but I, I digress from all the, the Chicago uh, you know, warm fuzzies, the warm cold fuzzies. Um, how did you you know you're from Chicago? You know Wilson's in St. Charles. How did you connect with him? Like did he well, call jo- you? Yo, well, Joe Thomas called me because I had done again back to the jingle thing. He he was River North. Uh, Ira Antelis, who there was Schaefer Antelis, was a jingle company that did Be Like Mike for Gatorade and stuff like that. So I used to sing for them, and Joe would see me. And, and Todd Zuckerman, who's a brilliant drummer who plays with Sticks now, who was in The Falling Melendez, um, uh, knew Joe rather well. And so Todd played drums on a, those same two cuts that I played guitar on. And Bob Lizick, who also was in the Brian Wilson band, was the bass player. And uh, so I got this call, like, do you want to play guitar on a Brian Wilson record? And I'm like, yes, of course I do. And uh, Wait, let me let me think about it. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. I remember Brian at this time. I'll be right there. <laughs> uh, you know, over the course of the, the the 10, 11, 12, I guess now years that it's been since I first met Brian Wilson, I've I've watched him get better and better as a as a human being. You know, with with being you know more comfortable in the universe. And my first encounter with him, he was in the the kind of the chair like you're sitting in right now, leaned back, looking pretty much asleep, very gray complected. You know, I was worried about him. He was in Chicago. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> But I remember I had this little effects rack for my guitar, and I, I stumbled on like a Leslie speaker uh-huh. thing, and he popped up out of his chair and goes, I like that! I like that! I want that in my song! <laughs> you know, so I was like, yeah, I woke Brian up, and now he's into it, you know? <laughs> so uh, that was my first sign that, you know, and, and, and I remember asking him about the song Do It Again, which starts with that, uh-huh. you know, I'm like, how'd you get that weird sound on the drum? And he was just like, well, you have to have a delay on the feedback rate of like, you know, 20, and it was just like, yeah. You know, it's like he's he's very it's funny how he can be you think he's just completely in his own world and not listening to anything in the room and then he says the most pertinent thing that could be said in that moment, you know. Yeah. So everything I've ever read about Brian Wilson is just that I mean, he's kind of a musical savant. Like he exists on a level that most people even I mean, like you're an extremely talented guy. You know, your work is exemplary years and years and years. But like even of all the exemplary guys I've met, like he's still somewhere out there in his own rarefied air. And, you know, I'm like a massive Beatle fan. And I, you know, McCartney wouldn't shut up about the Beach Boys and Pet Sounds. So I got Pet Sounds. But it was not it didn't grab me in the way that it does now uh, at that time. It's like there's certain record like I had a friend tell me to get the specials album at the time. And I was like, this hurts my ears. I don't like it. Now I love it. You know, so I think, you know, it's important. uh, I tell my kids, you know, with with food that they don't like, you know, try it again next year. Yeah. You know, but like so I think what's cool is that I got this Brian gig and I became a fan Uh while playing the songs. (laughs) You know, it's like and and. And, you know, the Beatles aren't exactly easy music. There's some really interesting chords going on there. But, like, the Brian stuff, you just go, like, this is left of left. And yet it sounds poppy and and accessible. So I think, you know, to me, the true geniuses are the Bowies and the Beatles and the Beach Boys. Where it's just, it's, it's incredibly challenging music, but it's somehow catchy. And it's, it's not just, you know... Art yeah. for art's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear a little bit about what you have been up to or what you're what you're doing. This is a track we're about to play called Unbelievable. Tell us a little bit about what we're about to hear. Oh, this is a, a record I made a few years ago. Uh, I'm 
I, I, I wanted to just, you know, it was time, uh, and, and it's time again, but uh, uh, we'll get to that later. But this record was a few years ago. I recorded all of it in my garage uh, here in L.A. Uh, I played all the instruments on almost every song. I think Matt Walker's playing drums on one song, okay. and my friend Bobby McIntyre's on another song. Uh, I know Bobby. Yes. You know, Bobby, he, he was in my band for about 35 minutes. Nice. Actually, back in Chicago. He's a monster. He's great. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a character. He's like a walking cartoon character. He, he's, he's, he's doing well. He's in Miami now. He's yeah. got a killer studio. Yeah. Uh, he just got a, a MCI console. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. He's doing it right. But um, anyway, a few friends played on it, but mostly it's me doing everything except for cello uh, on this track, a guy named Andrew Shulman who played okay. on the uh, Louis the Fourteenth album, as okay. well as I guess he was the first chair cellist of the London Symphony Orchestra. He's huh. British. Pish posh. Yes, and so for three hundred dollars, I got him to play on three songs, which is pretty insane. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> three hundred dollars, well spent. But yeah, the entire record was that three hundred dollars and the fifteen hundred dollars to master it. So yeah. that's how much my record cost. All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's play this. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more with Scott Bennett. My name is Joe Armstrong. As always, Wednesday nights here on Lancer Radio, you are listening to Independence Day. This is Scott Bennett and the Dotted Line, or or as such, as we. We discuss yes. what, what that really is called. It's kind of there's a little bit of confusion. It was kind confusion. of a band idea, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's Scott Bennett nonetheless, and yes. this is his track, "Unbelievable" Correct. on Independence Day.
And that, Scott Bennett. He's with us here tonight, live in the studio. My name is Joe Armstrong. Welcome to Independence Day. Scott, good to see you again. Indeed. I, I went away for a while while they were playing that horrible music, and I, I'm back now. <laughs> horrible. So again, with the self-deprecation, <laughs> the hallmark of a true genius, oh, self-deprecation. Oh, that's what they do. So that is from a record you did yourself out here in L.A. on, yep. on a dime, pretty much. Yes, and uh, and I, I I sold my first run of them, which was good, a thousand. Yeah, which is pretty uh, good for most like yes, indie-ish and, artists. And, and, and do you remember Not Lame Records? That mm-hmm. was yeah. A, yeah. So that was the label that put it out, and uh, and I I went through most of them and was waiting for my my big check because I thought I'll just release it on a small label because I'll get more of the money. And then they filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> so. Uh, so that was my chance to make some money on my own music, yeah, and it didn't that, really work out. That's one way the industry has definitely changed. This is like the swan song of like so many artists in the last ten years. It's a yes. guy named Greg Trooper, singer songwriter from Nashville, kind of a kind of a Steve Earleish kind right. of thing. Started out in New York, been in Nashville for years. His joke with himself with everybody is that there isn't a record label that he hasn't put on. <laughs> He's been on every record is on a different label. I think uh, Graham Parker was just talking about that. He's yeah. com- he's coming back on cool. some some directors putting him in something. So yeah, so I mean you know and he keeps he keeps making records, which is the funny thing because the like, labels you know labels you know they're they're like big labels to me seem like kind of like walking dinosaurs. Like the, yeah. the asteroid has hit, but they're just still kind of lumbering around. Well, you know? it, it's funny because I uh, I had a okay so I had a, my high school band a fine mess. Won this nationally televised battle of the bands with Sammy Davis Jr. was the you know it was on TV and it was a big deal and we were the first band in Chicago you know to have label people sniffing around. Yeah, this is pre-Pumpkins. Yes, and pre, pre-Pumpkins. Pre-Lisfair, yes, and and then pre-Urge. Um, and uh, but we broke up <laughs> shortly thereafter and then I had Scott Bennett in the Obvious, which uh, was Matt Walker on drums and and some other guys from Chicago and. Uh, and that was about material issue, if you remember them. Yeah. They they got signed and we got signed. And I wrote it. I should have brought that song. I, I wrote a song with Jim Ellison uh, for my record. And at the time, you know, my budget it was Giant Records. It was Irving Azoff. We had like a yeah, hundred yeah. hundred and seventy five thousand dollar budget, Those days, which in nineteen ninety was a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, and and, he, and Jim goes. He, I said, so what? What did they give you for your record? He goes, oh, I think our record cost five thousand dollars. I said, dude, we spent that on lunch, <laughs> you know. But of course, you know, here I am saying like, hop on my coattails, Jim Ellison, and yeah. my record didn't. My record got shelved, and you know, I yeah. remember going to New York to master my record and seeing in the Tower Records this giant material issue yeah, like 12 in the window. 12 yeah, it was thing. amazing, and I was like, oh my god, that's gonna be me in about a month, you know. We made a video, the whole thing, and and that was. Uh, one of the one of the many chapters in my disappoint disappointedness yeah. uh, of of trying to deal with this business. There's a litany of stories like that. There's and the, and the, some of them are tragic. Some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are kind of funnily tragic. There's a you know David Lowry from Cracker yes, and Camper. Yes, yes. There's this funny story about him going to Virgin, I think, and they were kind of giving them the, the the push off. And on the way out, they were walking out, and the tape room was right there. And if this story is true, like they went in and like. Essentially, stole tapes. Well, because <laughs> they the label was didn't, wasn't going to do anything with them, so they took them. Well, I don't yeah, know what they you, well, them. that's because when they shelved my record, you know, basically, I think I called Irving Azoff and I just said, you know, you, have you even heard the record? You know, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I've heard it. I just don't hear a single, and da 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 da. And here I am, just trying to be an artist and do something cool, and and I was like, okay, I get it, whatever. Meanwhile, the the record that they released was Color Me Bad, and I want to sex you up, you know. <laughs> so that's what I lost out to, but that's all right, I get it, but. Um, but I was like, but you know, I want yeah. my songs back. I want, you know, we yeah. worked really hard in this scene. And he's like, well, you got to pay us back for those. 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what are you, how am I going to do that? Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, so, yeah. and meanwhile, you know, we, we did, you know, I, I wish I was more in control at the time of the budget because we had producers and people, you know, I wouldn't have gotten the $5,000 lunches, you know, I, yeah. I didn't need that, you know, so. Uh, and as you know, that song that just played, you know, I, that was recorded for next to nothing. So yeah. you can, especially you talk about what's changed in the music business. I mean, Pro Tools and all the stuff. You know, I do miss when I hear a Tom Petty record or something, I go like, oh, wow, that's what tape sounds like. That's what a yeah. record, <laughs> you know, know, that's what a record sounds and like. And I get because that. He, he has enough. I call him a legacy artist because he has enough market share. He's in good with his record label. He still sells enough records to the boomers. And you know it's, it, he exists unto himself in this whole model because he's transcended that Absolutely. model. Absolutely, and he from the get go was so, you know, he, he when record prices went up, he goes, "No, not my records." Right. And, you know, like the Pearl Jams and the people that just you know have a conscience. He like cared. That. Yeah. And I mean, he's you know, I, I think of you know the Cure and all these bands that just they did it their way. You know, Radiohead, whatever. It's just it, it's astonishing to me that that people get away with that and and succeed yeah. it and, on with that. And that's that was what I want, you know. And I remember when you know, that that obvious record was getting shelved, and they were, you know, I, I went I went into the studio, and and my band had broken up, uh, and I went in by myself, and I recorded kind of a rockin' version of "For What It's Worth" by Buffalo Springfield. Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, you want a cover song? I'll do a cover song, you know, whatever. But it was just, you know, you start second guessing yourself, and you, you know, yeah. And it's just so I, I guess uh, my recommendation is just to do what you want to do. And, you know, you whether your audience is 100 people or whatever, you know, do it do it for that reason. And, in fact, you know, I keep talking about Brad Peterson, but it's funny. I remember when he made a record, <clears throat> and I came to Chicago years ago, and he just, he handed it to me, handed me like a box of them and a T-shirt and was just, he goes, I'm done trying to make money doing music. I want to make music because I love it and I want to share it with people for free. Yeah. And I'm going to go get a job where I make money to pay my rent. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not saying, hey, kids, give up on it. You know, because I've, I've, you know, I left high school to do music and I have made a living. I'm, you know, I'm not a, a spring chicken. Yeah. It, it's, it's been, you know, it, I've, I've made a decent living f- doing nothing but music for a long time. I mean, it's getting harder every year, yeah. uh, you know, with the downloads and the, you know, this and that. And, you know, I, the one piece of advice I would give a, a young upstart musician is write your own songs and try to get them on television. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's where the money I mean, is. Because that's that's, you know, whether it's a soap opera or whatever it is, yeah. you know, uh, do your own records for your own what you want uh, yeah. for your own artistic statement. But, you know, if you can, you know, hey, this one sounds like a romantic song that, you know, could be, you know, I had this song on Young and the Restless. It was meant to be played in the background on a jukebox in the, you know, in the in the scene of them at the bar. And they decided it was going to be the song. It was called I Do. And it was the, you know, the main character's love song. And they played it every day. And I gave it up for wow. like 500 bucks. And oh, I was like, I was man. like hitting my head against the wall going, like, I can't believe I, you know. And then one day a $40,000 BMI check came. And I was like, oh, that's what he meant by money on the back end. Yeah. So, so, so TV is your friend. Yeah, TV, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, where the, that's the gravy train, boys yeah. and girls. Pay attention. Scott Bennett speaks the truth here on Independence Day live for you. Free advice tonight. <laughs> Man, I mean, I guess everybody's got advice for you, but your advice care, your advice holds water, man. Well, You've made a living at this for a long time, and that's a very, very cool thing. You know, we go, like I said, we go back a long ways, and I've watched all these guys and girls 
kind of move through the business and you know m- make sideways moves like yes. Brad did, and then like make headway, and then you know do you know what is Nicholas Tremulous is Steve? Is I he think still he's still music? cooking. You know, uh, I mean, he puts records out. I know that much, and he's he's yeah. very talented. I don't know how he pays the bills necessarily, but in fact, one of my first jingles was a Seven Up commercial where we duetted. Oh, nice! And uh, and I was like, man, and it, he was like famous at the time. You know, yeah. talk about early Chicago guys that actually. Yeah. You know, he had a record deal on, I can't remember the label, but yeah. I can feel the heartbeat getting stronger. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's uh, cool. Let's, let's talk. I'd like to play some more Brian Wilson okay. before we get too far afield. Because like I said, you know, two old Chicago guys. We could ramble about the Chicago oh, music God, scene from Sorry. like the 90s till to the end of time. But let's play a little something. You, you had the good fortune to work with Brian Wilson. They, he re-recorded Smile, which is this legendary album from 66, 67 with yep. the Beach Boys, which kind of semi got shelved. Speaking of yes. shelving. And then, well, now it's coming out uh, right. this year with the box set with the Beach Boys version. Right. Um, you know, we right. we finished it. That was astonishing. We yeah. debuted it at the Royal Festival Hall in yeah. London, and yeah. Neil McCartney was there. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But the, but the concept was that he wanted to redo it, and then he decided rather than kind of going to old source tapes, right. he would just re-record the whole exactly. thing with like new musicians and kind exactly. of do like a Beach Boys album. It's like taking the um, every now and again they find an old Corvette. Yeah, you know that that's that's in a box. It hasn't been put together in some factory in Kentucky somewhere, <laughs> and they bring and they put it together. So he used new musicians. Yes, and all know. with the sensitivity to to try to you know give it that old thing. But you know, I gotta say, you know the 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 new box set. It's just there's some you know there's a there, there was a magic to of course mid '60s music right. that just cannot be recreated. It Not to mention be. you know Brian was singing differently then and all that kind of stuff. You know. Uh, and, and it's funny because I mentioned the Royal Festival Hall, and you're talking about my working with Brian after that. Uh, we had done Pet Sounds with an orchestra there. We, you know, debuted it, you know, uh, you know, at that particular venue, and so it's like a home away from home for us. And British fans love Brian Wilson more than American fans, and which is another reason for me to relocate because my stock is is maybe a bit yeah, higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's not uncommon. A <coughs> lot of American artists make a lot more bread. Josh Ritter, do you know Josh Ritter? Uh, yeah, yeah. He couldn't give CDs away when he, he's from right. Idaho. Was in New York, couldn't give his CDs away. Somehow he wound up playing a couple shows in Ireland, and people went bananas. He would just go to Ireland and, yes. and like Irish musicians can't do this. Yeah, well, but, you know, the, the there's a European sensibility and and, yeah. and you know and when you, my wife who's British, we talk about, you know, England is is smaller than California, yeah. you know, and yet. Almost my entire record collection comes from there, so yeah. they got something right. There's something, something in the water. I don't they, know. And they make good beer too. But anyway, the, the 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 head guy at the Royal Festival Hall, after the success of the Pet Sounds and then the Smile concerts, wanted to commission Brian to do something where the, it was new music right. debuting in the way that like Mozart would have been commissioned. Right. And he and and Brian had coincidentally been calling me and coming around to my apartment to record, and we did original new stuff that he was writing and like cover songs like proud mary which he's been stuck on for years and and you know uh uh, at the hop and you know rave on by buddy holly so we were we were just we were in a fun space of just recording and you know brian was like calling me all the time like can i come around and record at your place and you know and he's like i love this better than ocean way i'm like my two microphones and a computer great you know (laughs) but if you say so brian yes but i you know i think it's because i work you know, I play a bunch of instruments and I work really fast and because actually because of my jingle background, I was, you know, they're like, hey, you've got an hour. Make it sound like, you know, Octung baby. Go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but so we were we were working a lot that summer. And then all of a sudden, Brian's like got this call from the Royal Festival. Can you make, you know, a, a new piece? And he's like, can we use some of this stuff that we've been recording? And I'm like, well, 
I think they want more of a conceptual kind of smile thing, but you know, we can use some of it. And then we had to kind of change it around. I think you're, you were going to think about playing a song. Right. We're getting, set this up. We're getting to that, right. Which is just, uh, there there was, you know, we did a a bunch of kind of fun. Brian was in a kind of a nostalgic early sixties. He was writing some kind of Carol Kingy stuff. She came around to my apartment and sang with Brian was crazy. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but I was like, okay, you know, if we're going to thread this together and try to make it a conceptual, you know, performance thing, we need a couple heavier songs. And so Brian came around with this, this, uh, the start of what this became Midnight's Another Day. It was, it was faster because Brian's, you know, he's got very short attention span. He was, he, but the chords were great, you know. And I was like, wait, you know, if we, Brian, let, let's slow this down and let's put our foot on the sustain pedal and let's make that a minor chord. And, you know, and we were, it was, a, it was the one song on the record. Mostly I was a lyricist on the record, but on this, the, this particular song, we were kicking each other off the piano bench and, you know, and you were talking about Brian's crazy genius thing. You know, the chorus originally was this kind of like, you know your chords, like, F sharp minor, B7, E minor, A, which was, yeah. you, you knew what was coming. And I'm like, after the F sharp minor, B, I'm like, can we, can we do something more interesting there, Brian? He's like, over my shoulder, he's like, F major 7. I'm like, after a B7, F sharp minor, B7. Uh-huh. So da, 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 da. It was yeah. like, you know, you'll hear it on here, but it's just, it was that moment I was like, oh, okay, you still got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So. I think I think the the man knows his way around a pop song. He does. Let's let's play this. This is a track. This is and this project ended up becoming something called That Lucky Old Son, yes. which was kind of like a follow up to Smile. Yes. And you worked on him pretty intensely. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing. was just you know we're us you know we I worked on the arrangements, wrote all the words. My wife helped me with the words, and then uh, believe it or not, they asked me to to mix the dang thing for Capitol Records. So that was kind of cool. That was my first yeah. big mixing gig, and I yeah. brought in my friend Mike Corcoran, who's great help uh, on that we used his studio because my I couldn't mix a record in my on my laptop yeah <laughs> but, well you, you can but you're not going to get it sounding like Tom Petty by doing that or even Brian Wilson for that matter either one no. of those guys so let's hear this this is a track called Midnight's Another Day this is uh, Brian Wilson's That Lucky Old Son Project we've got Scott Bennett in the studio he worked with Brian Wilson yes that Brian Wilson uh, he worked with him pretty intensely on this let's hear this on Independence Day and this is again like I said Midnight's Another Day Made me feel like stone 
And that, the track Midnight's Another Day, Brian Wilson, that lucky old son project, who Scott Bennett worked uh, worked with Brian Wilson on that in his studio here in Los Angeles. Indeed. And uh, tell me tell me a little bit about the lyrics on that. Because well, I, I, as I understand it, you worked a lot intensively on the lyrics. Well, yeah, the project was, oh, so when, when the Royal Festival Hall called and said, you know, hey, we want to, you know, Brian and his wife and I sat down and said, well, we need sort of a, a thread that runs through the whole record. And, you know, California almost became, it, it, it's sort of about, and, and also Brian was stuck on this old spiritual song called That Lucky Old Son that Louis Armstrong had, you know, so that somehow got roped in there. And uh, it became sort of about California, and then That Lucky Old Son, you can also put it S-O-N, like Brian right. Wilson is California's Lucky Old Son. Uh-huh. Uh, so it became a bit of a, almost an autobiographical, even though I was writing the words. <laughs> um, but that song in particular... Uh, you know, I felt like Brian had written a song called Oxygen to the Brain where he mentioned, like, you know, I hardly even washed my face. And he was, like, he was admitting to those years where he was not able to get out of bed and he was depressed. And, and I thought, wow, he's able to think, you know, to write about that. You know, everybody knows about it, but, right. it's you like, know. It's, like, legendary Yeah, in the industry, I mean, it was but... only the Bare Naked Ladies that sang about it. So, uh, at any rate, so I just thought, you know, uh, I'd like to address directly a song that's, that's melon, you know, has a, an intensity and a... Uh, a sadness to it about that period of his life and actually it was my wife who who came up with the title midnight's another day because essentially obviously at midnight it is it's the darkest point but it's 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 a new awakening so uh but you know so so that one and and i remember you know brian particularly the the line all these people make me feel so alone he goes that's exactly how i feel and you know like so he was he was impressed that i you know uh, was able to write something as if it were him you know and that's the goal when you're working with somebody like a brian you know i've I've only written lyrics for my own music before i mean i've collaborated with other people where we try to you know like well that's a that's a bad line (laughs) um good catch almost good catch good catch (laughs) but anyway uh but you know, to try to write, you know, as if you're in somebody else's brain was was right. a challenge, and also to to make sure that it was it, it would make sense to a 66 year old Brian Wilson. It wasn't, you know, the the pot smoking 22 year old. It was the you know the man who's right. where he's at now, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I, that that's my pretty much my proudest moment on the record. And I I remember Van Dyke Parks when I played the record down for him because he wrote these narratives that 
were peppered in throughout the thing, and I wanted to get him to write more words, you know. And he was just like, nah, it's your baby, you know, whatever. But I, we were listening down to the record when that song came on. He goes, well, this validates the whole thing, doesn't it? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so that was, I was pleased that that song came along and, and uh, really uh, achieved something that I think is, is you know. Yeah, with Brian's Brian's really happy with the with the record and uh, re- recently said he likes it better than Pat sounds. But we he he also says he likes you know uh, short and bread better than God only knows. So you yeah, know. well it's once once music is <laughs> once music's out into the world. I mean the artist can think what they think about it, but really and now it kind of belongs to everyone. Exactly. You know, and only idiots like Lucas won't leave it alone. <laughs> You know, it's like it would be different, oh. you know, like who just like Lucas. It's like he's done one movie yeah. and it's all he's done is piddle with that movie for the last 30 some years, whatever it is. It, it drives me bananas. I wish he would just leave that alone. Did he do American Graffiti? He did. I think he should start doing some, you know, like American Graffiti 7. Yeah. It needs to be <laughs> the a, prequel. The three prequels. <laughs> and, you know, well, we'll leave that be. So but you're, you know, aside from your work on, you know, Brian Wilson stuff and lots of other, you know, famous type people that we could name drop all day long. You still do your own music. Tell yes. Me, tell me a little well, about what you know, you're what, up I've, to. I've, I'll tell you, uh, I have slowed down. I used to. I mean, I've got about three, four hundred songs that no one's ever really heard. Uh, that's, very, uh, that's very Prince of you. Yes, uh, but unlike Prince, I don't try to release every single thing that I, I mess around with in the studio. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I should release more material. And in fact, uh, if you want to talk about uh, my Tom Schultz Boston-like uh, huh. work ethic, uh, there's a project that uh, is just uh, going to our pal Doug McBride in Chicago for mastering. Uh, called Shiny, and it's a it's kind of like a Chicago, uh, for lack of a better word, super group. And we got Matt Walker, who's with you know was in the Pumpkins for a while and Filter, and now he's with Morrissey and Danny Schaefer, who's just a ridiculous guitar player, and Jim Deneu, who's a keyboard genius, and Brett Simons, who has played with a bunch of people, is now in the Brian Wilson band. Um, and this was a project that started over ten years ago, while okay. I still lived in Chicago. And I said, hey, guys, let's all get together and, and try to do something really unique and really different because, uh, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter type of person. I'll sit at a piano and I'll write a song. I'll, I'll pick up an acoustic guitar and write a song. I said, I want to do it more like kind of U2, King Crimson, whatever style where we just jam and we record it and then I try to make songs out of it, you know. Okay. So that's this project. And what, the other cool thing about that was that the lyrics were wide open. So, I again, I thought, well, maybe it should be a concept record. And somebody had given me a book for my birthday called Vice and anthology so every song is kind of a different vice okay um and i'm really proud of this stuff it basically what happened is brett about a year or two years ago was like you know we started we did five or six songs in the studio that sounded amazing and it's 10 years later and it still sounds amazing and it's you know it's kind of like radiohead musy art it's like bowie-ish you know yeah. uh I don't know if there's a hit necessarily, but it's really interesting, cool music. And, and a is, friend of mine is there such a thing? As, I don't as even a hit know really anymore. I mean, well, a hit is something that gets into a TV show. Like that's a hit. That now. is a hit. Um, I mean, you know, there's Katy Perry, and there's things that are trying to be hit music. This is is trying to just be interesting music. And you know, my old Falling Melinda's writing partner and uh, the guitar player from Fountains of Wayne, who's a friend of mine. Who you know, neither of those guys compliment 
anything to my knowledge. We're both like, this is the coolest stuff I've ever heard. You need to get this out. So basically, we're finally, we recorded four or five other things, you know, passing them around through the internet uh, from wherever anybody lives and whenever, you know, Matt was cutting, you know, you know, working on stuff in like Helsinki and, you know, so it was cool. Um, but we're, we finally finished it. It's it's really interesting music and uh, it's called Shiny. And Is this, uh, is this available or is this something that's it's not, not available not yet? yet. It's, uh, I want to master it and then uh, I'm going to see, I, you know, my problem is, you know, we're all older. Uh, I'm trying to decide, you know, you could do the whole, hey, these guys have played with this, that, and the other thing, or we just make it a mystery, and it's like vocals, Scott. You know, da, 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 you yeah. know like maybe we do that, and it's like a residence thing where nobody knows who they are, and we just let yeah. the music do the talking. So It could almost be like gorillas in each take on, like... Take, I wish that you hadn't could, like, been done. take on, like, your I, own... You because know, like, I draw. I would have loved to... Yeah. I wish I'd thought of that idea, but oh well. Yeah, so anyway, so this is the... Tr- this is this is from Shiny, this kind of, like... That's kind of the amalgamation yes, this is our adultery song. Okay, this is a song <laughs> called Amorous Things with Scott Bennett and the all-star Chicago group here on Independence Day. Let's listen to this. this is and then Amorous- it goes... You will play... Oh, the- that's right. We're going to do a twofer on yes. this. So there's a we're ballad gonna, and then a rocker, and we'll yeah, well, we're gonna we won't listen to the yeah, whole we're second. not gonna get all of the second. So this right. is gonna be a twofer back to back thing with amorous things and the track Diamond Dust, which will follow it up. So this is those on Independence Day.
You are listening to Independence Day. That is a track. That's a pair of tracks, actually, from Scott Bennett and his project Shiny, and that was done with a bunch of Chicago All Stars. But you're, uh, but you're doing some like like some newer, newer, newer stuff. Newer, here. newer. You've got a guitar all kind of lined up for us here. I do have one. It's your guitar. Thank you. Alex. It's very oh, nice. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, one, it's a Martin. Yes, yeah, a Martin. So tell me, uh, tell me what this is and what's what's the story with this? Uh, like, this is like well, brand new. It hasn't even seen the no, light of day, well, right? It's not that brand new, but it's it has not been uh, released or anything. I have a I have a demo that I recorded on the road after I met my lovely wife uh, in England, and uh, she uh, blew me away. So I wrote yeah. a song called Perfection. And you have a you have a <laughs> you, you actually it's it's cool to see people who have functional like artistic or, or or business working relationships with their life partner because you'd like to think that if you take the risk of marrying someone that you could trust them with these sorts of things. Well, yeah, you know what it's you got the Yoko syndrome which is right. to be avoided. Uh but no, you mentioned Tom Waits. Tom uh, Waits and Kathleen Brennan to we, me is like the ex- that's the most exemplary. Well, she actually example. encouraged him to be weirder. Yeah. So <laughs> um no, but I, I we did the Neil Young Bridge School thing and it was like the Who and Tom Waits and Sheryl yeah. Crow and all these people and Tom Waits's door opened up and there he was. And I was like, oh, my God, wow, I'm, I'm such a fan of you. And then her head was right behind. I said, such a fan of you and your wife's work. And he goes, yeah. smart kid. <laughs> so, um, such, I am such a ridiculously big Tom Waits fan. Like, we could, we could, we could probably um, talk for seven hours just about I, him. I just want him and, and Peter Gabriel to do a, you know, a record together. It's like, red rain is falling. <laughs> you, know, you know what I want Tom Waits to do? He'll never do it. But, I, like, of all the people that uh, commit egregious sins of musical bad taste doing a Christmas album, I want would be great. Tom Waits to make the best Christmas album <laughs> like of all it. time, and all he, he could poop it out, and it would be the best album, best Christmas album ever. So Speaking anyway. of Christmas songs, I actually did release last Christmas on iTunes a song called "The Ghost of Christmas," which I worked on with a, a screenwriting friend of mine who did uh, Ed Wood and The People huh. versus Larry Flint. Cool. And, uh, he's a he's Larry Karaszewski, great guy. Uh, he had the start of a song. It was kind of an anti-Christmas song. Okay. And uh, so if, if anybody's curious about uh, uh, go to iTunes and check out The Ghost of Christmas. It's sort of a scroogey. Under your name? It's, yeah, Scott, Bennett. Scott Bennett. Yeah, so. But uh, anyway, this is a song I wrote for Jenny, and it's called Perfection, and we'll see if I can get my just-over-a-cold voice to work for you. She's over your head but never makes you feel small Dark chocolate hair swings left to right Drifting away in her endless eyes You fall She knows to switch from cool to coy So as not to scare the boys Knows where every eye is focused But pretends not to notice so oh, are you ready for perfection oh, oh, oh get ready for perfection 
finishes your sentences She can volley back anything you serve her A clever girl ahead of the curve But she never makes you feel you don't deserve her As you kiss her, lean against the door She pops her pillow lips Signs for more She can stop the world from turning She can knock the years of yearning Oh Are you ready for perfection? Oh no. Get ready for perfection Oh She's perfection Perfect symmetry, perfect poetry, perfect harmony, zero gravity, crazy energy. She holds the master key, set me Very nice, Scott. That's very nice, man. You know, it's that's this original song, a brand new song written for your lovely wife, Jenny, who is actually, and, and she's here in the studio yeah. with us. Say hi, Jenny. She's on the other side of the glass <laughs> over there. And she's from England, and how is it, or Britain, as they say, how is it that... Um, she was dumb enough to get with me? <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself that all the time. Uh, no, she was at a Brian Wilson show, and okay. uh, I said... You're the most beautiful woman to ever come to a Brian Wilson show. What the hell are you doing here? You can say and I think you can say hockey sticks. It's not in. one of the George Carlin no. words. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm used to, like, guys with ponytails and Hawaiian shirts and uh, that are you know, yeah. pushing 60. And Anyway, no, fortunately for me, as I say, England is, is very big on their Beach Boys and uh, her whole family were well into it. And she came with her sister, Sally, who was great as well. And... Uh, we ended up having a really, really fun, amazing night, and uh, the rest is history. Got married, and she moved here against her will. And <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, there, I, I suppose, I mean, maybe you wouldn't have been quite so enticing if you were in, say, Des Moines or... <laughs> Lover boy. Bismarck or... You know, they're, 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 well, I was, I'm talking towns. No, I, I know. I was kidding. Or the, no, um, no, I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it's, you know, it was a, it's a good, good to escape the reign of England for a little bit, but... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. So we we've uh, and and she's just great. And uh, that that thing you talked about. I mean, she, uh, the whole thing of asking. It's not like we uh, set out to be creative together. But I got this daunting task of re- yeah. rewriting all these Brian Wilson songs, and I just said, "Can can you help me with this?" And especially because I think you know. Yeah. As I admitted, I was not a lifelong Beach Boys fan, and I think she helped me really to get into Brian's brain a bit more. Uh, like she'd be like, I'd, I'd get a little too Elvis Costello clever, and she'd be like, No, 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 that that's not going to fly for Brian, or you yeah, know, yeah, you, know yeah. that, you know, that's keep it more emotional and real. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But uh, at, but now, ever since we've done that, we we have uh, we play great uh, lyric writing games uh, often, okay. where where you write a line and you fold the paper down and you you know you, you make the last word of the next line on the first yeah. you know that kind of thing and so, you know I mean I, I would say eighty percent of it's garbage but you never know when you get a gem in there so yeah and like I said we were talking before I mean it's such a unique thing to have a working relationship with with your partner because you'd like to think that everybody can have it you know or, or you'd like to think that that's that's it's the most logical thing in the world but it's it winds up being adversarial i mean well, I've, I've had it happen I, to me I, i've got a rule i'm not allowed to date anybody in my band ever again uh well it can be trouble absolutely and i also think there's you know writing is often very you know you need to have some solitude to write properly as well yeah. so you know i think it can work both ways is she a musician too? No, no. And I in think fact, I think uh, that's the key. Uh, the, the village where she comes from is one of the most tone deaf areas of the world. But sorry, sorry, Yorkshire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but man, I, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble now. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and you've been to England. So I you're, many, you're many con- times. considering moving there yeah. for a change in reinvention. Here we're coming full circle. You're talking about reinvention. Ah, uh, yeah. And you know, and there's another. We're, we're actually running a little short okay. on time, but we're not going to get to play any of this. But tell me just a little bit about your working as a producer as well. Yes, one of the other yes. things on your resume. Oh, Easy well, Tiger. Uh, yeah, you, worked with Easy. Tiger, like, they're, they're, you've got 15 seconds to oh, tell golly, me about okay. Easy well, Tiger. They're, they're just, they're, they were this girl power trio. I was at a place called Tex in uh, Silver Lake. I have played at Tex about yes. 20 trillion times. T-A-I-X. And, uh, and they, they followed some fellow Brian Wilson members, uh, Nelson Bragg and Proven Gregory were playing uh, and uh, prior to them. And, uh, you know, the drummer was like Keith Moon. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and they had these kind of Smithsy songs. And I was just kind of floored. And I, I said, you know, boy, do you, you guys have a management or a producer or whatever? And they were like, no, and, and uh, so we did the record, and uh, it came out great. You can get it, uh, I'm sure, iTunes and things like that, but it's E, right. the letter E, Easy the letter Z. Tiger, right. Tiger. Yeah. And they're and playing they're a great. show with the Neighborhood Bullies coming up soon. Here. Well, oh, they, we've had go. them on the show. They're fantastic. So people want to find out about you. Scott Bennett Music, that's a MySpace thing. That's yeah. the best place to find out about you. MySpace has some things with, with song. I mean, I've never checked that anymore, but you know, there's also the Facebook uh, as well, I don't know, but I need to I need to update my little yeah. my little thing. But uh, okay. reach out on Facebook or MySpace and say yeah. hello, and and we can and you can always find you. us here. You know, contact us here at Independence Day World Headquarters. We'll make sure your message gets through to Mr. Scott Bennett. Scott, I can't thank you enough. Oh, it was this great. has been an absolutely enjoyable hour that flew past like I knew it would. Ah. so we'll have to we'll have to have you back on sometime to come to talk about. Uh. Like I said, there's a million things we could talk about with you. You had such rich experience in the business and so much to share with our listeners. And don't forget my taxidermy career. <laughs> of course, well, well that's that's my separate show we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a different show so very much again thank you sir Cheers, thank thanks you, to scott bennett also to the independence day staff dale tanksley and wayne topinski and to valentino rivera and engineer victor cornejo from lancer radio for independence day i'm joe armstrong please be good to one another